G'day and welcome to episode 22 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and to anyone new, thanks a lot for joining us and welcome. And to those of you who are loyal listeners, thanks for coming back. Firstly, it's another week of lockdown for us Victorians. We're getting there. There's some signs of positivity, so let's keep at it. And for you guys, you're pretty lucky that there's some sensational content over at Humans of Agriculture. This week, we're doing something a little bit extra special. We've got today's podcast, and then later in the week, you better head over to Instagram, at Humans of Agriculture with an underscore, to see us release our first feature video with today's guests. We go behind the scenes to understand a bit more about free-range chicken farming, a bit more about Kate and Ollie, and that's about it. Since the beginning, I've said I wanted to understand more about our food and fibre system from the people involved in it. Each week, we've taken you guys on a journey into people's stories with people from all over, and this week, it's really exciting to be welcoming Kate and Ollie Warner from Jasgrove Park. They are two-fifths of the family business that runs cattle, sheep, cropping, and two free-range egg businesses, Caravan Eggs and Green Eggs. Today, we're finding out a bit more about them and their business, and how a family business like theirs operates, the importance of animal welfare, the growth and understanding that they get from engaging with consumers, chefs and the community, some of the goals for their business, and in particular that they highlight that not all goals are monetary, that as a society we're losing connection to our food, and for those playing along at home we get the answer to the age-old question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Enjoy today's chat. Well, Kate and Ollie Warner, welcome to Humans of Ag podcast. I suppose just starting off, can you guys tell us a little bit about your family business and, and where you guys fit into it? So um, we originally started on the chicken side of things with caravan eggs uh, about five years ago where we sort of structured our own brand around a production system that uh, everyone within the family was happy with and then went ahead, went forward with marketing that. Um, so that was on top of the pre-existing business that we already had, which was sort of mixed enterprises between cropping um, and grazing pretty well, so uh, prime lambs and beef cattle. Um, and then recently we've taken on green eggs. And so Kate, for you guys, like, was it, were you always destined to come back to the family business, you think, from when, when it all started? Um, I think I've always had an interest in the farm, but I think having an extra enterprise has opened up the possibilities to have more of us back at home and given me a place and something to contribute to. I suppose like for you guys, just like on having ownership as such or within a family business and particularly farming, it can get quite complicated, but how, how have you guys managed that within your business, I suppose, of ownership of enterprises or, or areas as well? So I suppose for us being, well, our, our family business is made up of five, five main members, so um, splitting up roles and giving each person sort of room around each different part of the business um, between different enterprises has been pretty important for us, but also being able to link it back to strategic meetings together where we can all discuss issues and work through problems together within the business. Try and have some sort of professional structure in it so it's taking some of the emotion out of it. Like it is family, it's always going to be family, but like when it's business, it's business and putting the structure in it to help keep it that way. And so I suppose from like the farm business aspect, like how, how have you guys set it up so you've got like 
how do you take it, approach it as a, an actual business rather than just turning up as a nearly like a hobby and you're just kind of bickering with, with family members to get things done? I think making ourselves accountable for, for roles that we do take on and, and um, yeah, accountable to each other and having, and having those meetings and having to present things and sort of KPIs in a way that, so that you are accountable for what you're doing and not just off on your own and, and checking in when you feel like it, having set structure, I think, is yeah, a key I thing. I think linking things back to performance is pretty important for us. So then uh, pretty easy to see when you're looking back at performances of each enterprise that you're not just out there for the fun of it, you're out there for a reason. It's to make a successful business that ticks all the goals that we want it to. Yeah. And all having, yeah, each enterprise has to answer to other enterprises. It's not one over the other sort of thing. They've all got to work together and come together in meetings and things. And so from like the, the business aspect, it's like it's fairly similar how it's not purely just about economics. That you've got the environmental piece that you bring into it. And so I suppose you kind of alluded to it a little bit there, but um, around the sheep and cattle rotations and how that fits into, I suppose, the caravanning business. Can you guys touch on like, that aspect of like an integrated kind of farming system that all works together. It's very unique being a farming business, being able to work with the land, I suppose, the way that we do. Um, it's very important to take care of every aspect for it for us. Um, that's how caravan eggs work so well with the rotating the caravans over um, the paddocks and sort of spreading fertiliser as they go, and that works in well with their other enterprises. Um, but yeah, so when yeah, mentioned goals of a business, they don't all have to be of a monetary value. Like, it's pretty important for us to sort of look after the environment as we go. Respect the land and it respects yeah. what we're trying to produce on it, I think. And so I suppose, like, individually for you, Ali, like, what's the impact you want to have in terms of if it's the farming business or outside of the business? Like, where, like, what are your kind of goals and aspirations in the farming world? Um... It's pretty important to me to keep improving what we're doing, I suppose, be that that's both sides of it. Um, for instance, improving the land on top of what we're doing with the chickens, we put in a lot of shelter belts and uh, things like that. We're planting a number of trees every year, um, putting a lot of effort into sort of um, improving, yeah, pretty much just improving the land that we're working with. Um, and also on the performance side of things, to keep sort of improving year on year is pretty important to me. And for Kate, coming from Europe. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank, and I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported? Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low-cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. A nurse for a few years did that degree and then came across like, what's your journey I suppose been into into farming but then more so the family business kind of since high school 
Um, yeah, so I was nursing for eight years and then came back. So I think it's opened my eyes up. There's lots of different ways to do things out there and there's lots of connections to be made and, um, yeah, just learning from there's so much progression in agriculture at the moment with technology and um, just communication. It's so much easier to, to liaise and speak with other people who have tried different things and taking on their feedback, I think, and just progressing forward and, taking on what's been done in the past and moving forward, I think, yeah. Do you, do you reckon that time away from the farm kind of gave you clarity coming back into the business and like nearly a, a point of difference, I suppose, when it comes to sitting around the table? Uh, yeah, I think it gives you a different skill set and um, things that, like in nursing, they're not directly, might not directly relate to agriculture, but it gives you different problem-solving skills and communication um ways that you yeah just different skill sets and yeah and perspective I think yeah it does open your eyes up that there's a whole other world out there that's different from what you've grown up in and are you thankful you're not nursing at the moment <laughs> <laughs> rather be in the chicken sheds <laughs> um oh I think it would be pretty special to be a part of it at the moment but yes I'm happy where I am and trying to feed feed the nation I guess yeah lovely and so I suppose jumping into the egg business and how that kind of came about and so I suppose the diversification piece of it like can you guys just yeah give me a bit more insight to where how it came about how how long did it actually kind of was it just a dinner table discussion yeah well I, I suppose five years seems like a long time but it hasn't been been building caravan eggs when we started uh, humble beginnings of 450 chickens which it was a very slow start marketing all the eggs from them and, and it's been a slow learning curve um, going forward for us with both working with chefs and restaurants, uh, working with supermarkets, getting direct feedback from consumers that we've never had before in our existing sort of structure of the business that you never really got to see where your end product got to. Um, that was, yeah, it's been, <laughs> been lots, of, lots, of week where, lots of weeks where we're learning new things um, some of them from good reports and some of them from bad reports. Like you take the good with the bad when you're getting feedback. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just been a very sort of slow stepping stones that have taken us forward and then up to where we are now. I think it was a good twelve months of discussion before it started, but I don't think even that prepared us for what what was to come. I think you can do all the preparation in the world, but we've learnt more just working it out as we go in a way. Um, than all the research. Like, the research helped, but, yeah, it's definitely a learn-on-the-job kind of situation. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I suppose, how much of that is, like, a blind jump? Because, obviously, you can have your 30 or 40 uh, chickens in the backyard and kind of play at it, but to create a brand and go down that path, you've you've got to take a fair leap of faith, do you? Which it was exactly what it was, pretty well. Which Um, I think it's why it helps being a... Having yeah. a family business, you've got, if you're having a day of a bit of doubt, there's someone else to lift you up or even different strengths amongst us all. There's, there were six of us at the start and there's five of us involved now. It's, yeah, I think, like, it helps having those different dynamics in it to help keep you going and keep the positivity there and yeah. pushing forward. Yeah. So I suppose on the startup business piece, like, did you guys ever approach it thinking, like, from a, I suppose, a pessimistic thing, they're like, oh, we're going to give it a crack for... 12 months it might fall over but we'll see how it goes or did you did you kind of have this gut instinct that this was going to be a successful business and 
it was just going to take a bit of time. I'd say there's always been points of doubt throughout it, like you go through a bit of a bad patch where things aren't running quite well and you sort of question whether it was a good idea at the start and then you sort of top that off with a really good day where you think nothing can go wrong, we're full steam ahead. So it's just ups and downs that are in any business, I think. Yeah, um, yeah it sort of you got to roll with the punches a little bit. I don't think we didn't give ourselves a timeline at the start. We no, just definitely not. see how it goes and reassess yeah. <laughs> as we go. Reassess and then expand and end yeah. up yeah. with 35,000 tickets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so looking back, you guys were chatting just then around, um, you started talking to a whole bunch of people that you probably wouldn't normally just as a farming business, your chefs and um, little corner shops and, and the consumers. But like, yeah, I suppose... Are you guys seeing that you're building a community out of that? And I suppose, how's that evolving around your business? Yeah. Definitely. I think each brand's got its own community. Um, we try and keep it personable. Like we take orders on the phone every week. So we're trying to talk every week with those shops and chefs and getting their feedback and just letting them know the lines of communication are open. So we're ready for feedback if, if they've got any to provide. Um, and then at the markets, that's a whole other community. People really believe in what they're buying at farmers markets that's a really good opportunity i think to get in there and and build that community and following and support for the brands and just being transparent and honest i think is also what helps like we've got social media now we're lucky we can be really transparent and show people where their product's coming from what goes into it and and yeah yeah and also that's an interesting angle isn't it where it's like it's not all sunshine and rainbows and really amazing stuff like there is you're dealing with animals there's some shit aspects of it where you do have animal deaths and whatnot but like i suppose what is the what, what's the core of the business that, that it's built around for you guys animal welfare is a big one yeah always has been with us um it's such a simple one for us because we rely on production from the chickens if they're happy they're laying well so a happy hands are quality egg yeah it's... we just Put everything we can into them to make sure that they're living their best life and then they reward us for it and not afraid to ask for help or things like getting let's like goes back to the industry and and knowing where to ask for help and get i like get support and things like that and making sure that yeah and how engaged i suppose is the industry piece where we've gone from being a smaller player which is still a shitload of chickens at eight thousand or five thousand or whatever it is but like um how much has that dynamic change in terms of actually being, yeah, I suppose, thinking of it like if there's farmers out there who've got 100 acres who classify themselves as a farmer and people have come parked into the side. Like how much credibility do you guys feel like you've got or, or you're earning your way towards the industry? I still don't think we see ourselves as big players. I think, uh, with especially with the rate that we're learning things, <laughs> still to this day pretty well. Um, Size, like how many eggs are you guys punching out here a day? Um, 38,700. 38,000? Yeah. A day. Oh, Let's both businesses. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so where are they going to from from there? So you're going, you've got Farmers Market as one outlet. Yeah. Um, yeah, Which where else to... So Caravan Eggs is, it started pretty like organically locally. So around Mortlake, Warnable, Geelong, and then progressing into Melbourne now. Green Eggs customer base is, there's a few locals um, which we'll always support, but the larger customer base is in Melbourne. Um, and both independent retail, uh, independent grocers and things like that, but also Green Eggs moving more into that larger chain sort of stores a little bit more. 
Oh, having large David quantities. Jones yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just having that larger quantity gives you that little bit more leverage, I guess, to to get a bit more involved in the bigger players, I guess. Yeah, and will we see them in a colours of Woolies? Are they stocked anywhere like that? Green Eggs is in Woolworths Metro. Oh really? Yeah. And so I suppose like back to the customer piece. Like, have you guys have you got an ideal customer? Like, how in a philosophical world that doesn't exist, but like. How would you like to see your customers engaging with you and like, how would you like to engage with them kind of day-to-day, month-to-month? What, what would that look like if you could paint the perfect picture? Um, giving them a great understanding of where their food comes from and what the terminology means. There's a lot of marketing words flying around out there and I think there's a lot of confusion um, just from an overwhelming amount of misleading information and just not clear information so just to be able to provide clarity for them about where their food comes from and and how important animal welfare is to us that that we're looking after and the land as well just yeah that we care about what we do yeah i think any customer that's interested in where their product's coming from i is think is, is that's yeah. our target part target yeah. customer um yeah think that pretty well sums it up like if they're interested in getting on social media and having a look where the food is coming from that's sort of the avenues we open up for them and try and be as transparent as possible and people yeah people that are willing to ask questions about where their food comes from i think is a yeah and from from like the types of questions that the consumers ask that have there been any that have caught you off guard or really i suppose challenged you guys in terms of you think oh like shit i haven't thought about that in that way or Maybe there's, yeah, another avenue which we should explore and think about. I think there has been, but there's never been any questions that have really made us change the direction in which we're headed. I think there's there's lots of questions that make you sit back and think about the possibilities of different ideas and things. But, yeah, we've, we've sort of been on a pretty well straight line path since we began. So there's a, a big piece in that, like, transparency that kind of what you see is what you get and... Yeah, I think we're trying to just stay true to our, our mission and our goals of just providing quality produce with, we've said it before, but yeah, animal welfare and, and respecting the land and things that we produce the food on, and I think that's where our quality comes from. Yeah, and that's definitely something that's like, I suppose being like reinforced is that like, no matter kind of what farm you go to, the ones that are ending up with the best product for consumers are those ones that are actually caring, and I suppose like there's a lot of self-investment that goes into... And I suppose the toll as well, like bushfires and that, you see the the, the impact that has on, on people and kind of their mental health and, and personal health. Like it's, you guys are seriously invested in, in what you do, aren't you? Not just financially. Yeah. It's not Monday to Friday. It's definitely a seven day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You wake up thinking about it, you go to bed thinking about it because you just want, like, you care about your animals, you care about the consumer and everything in between. Yeah. No, no different to any other family business in Australia. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> when do we uh, ask the question about the chicken or the egg? Do we do that out there? <laughs> okay, now you've got the answer yeah. for it. Yeah, I'll go through the. I'll get the Facebook up and ask you. Actually, one was interesting. So Georgie, um, she's a teacher at Echuca, and she was saying that. So she's got twenty other students in each class, and so they do a whole term, which is paddock to plate. Oh, nice. And so this week, the year ones, I think, are doing. Um, chickens and eggs and so had it have been a week later we would have been perfect to answer some of them but she was saying the amount of kids in a chuka like a country town that think an egg is a byproduct of dairy is right up there someone yeah 
I think that farmers markets have definitely opened that up. There are a lot of consumers of, I think, any product that don't have any idea where it comes from, and there's a yeah. big disconnect. And I'm not sure that that's their fault. Like, why? There's, no, no, absolutely not. There's no. something in between there that's not somewhere in there's yeah, it's been lost somewhere, and I'm not sure why yeah. or how. But that's Which, yeah. yeah. It's I I enjoy it a little bit when you get questions like that at farmers market to explain to people, and you can talk through the process and how you get the egg from the chicken to them pretty well. I think it comes back to like, if someone asks an authentic question and they're actually showing interest like, and I think that's the thing, it's like, you guys are so busy doing what you're doing, you've got so many different elements of your business and pieces to take care of and then the consumer like, I don't think it's that they don't care, I just think it's that they actually don't know, the don't understand where to get the info. Yeah, that's 100% it I think, yeah. yeah. And somewhere along the way, yeah, we've lost our education about food and where it comes from, which is, such a basic thing when you grow up on the land because you know where it all comes from. But yeah, when you live in a, in a metropolitan area, maybe it, yeah, it just gets lost there. Just comes from the supermarket. Like thing, yeah. I think social media is definitely the key to get back from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can do a search on Facebook or on Instagram and get lost in pictures and pictures and pictures of whatever you're interested in pretty well. And agriculture's definitely got a pretty good footprint on there. Oh, it's pretty picturesque. Yeah. And so I suppose, do you guys feel like in terms of responsibility for that connection? Do you feel like it's on you or do you actually think like there's there's a, a spot there for someone else or an, that's where the organisation, the industry groups come in to, to fill that gap? Like, do you guys feel like if... I don't know if it's on us, but I think we're lucky that we've got the opportunity to be able to provide it. And especially at farmers markets, you can give that direct. Like we've got social media, but yeah, going to the farmers market, you get that opportunity to just provide that information. I don't yeah. feel, maybe not responsible but yeah no, just we're like definitely it. a piece of the puzzle but, but yeah i think education has a big part to play in it yeah yeah yeah, yeah cool. i think industry like australian eggs is really lifting what they're doing and i think that's helping but there's yeah obviously we're in all different aspects of agriculture for that sort of information yeah absolutely and i think it's like one thing that i just can't get my head around is so like eggs i suppose is unique because you can throw it in so many different meals but like when it comes to different industry groups like they all try and talk to a consumer about lamb or they talk about, I suppose apples isn't a good example, but grains talk about grains and it's like, shit, why don't they actually come together and you talk with the other commodity groups and you're talking about the bacon and egg roll with mushrooms or whatever and you, instead of just talking in singular commodity groups, you're talking to how the consumer actually understands it and yeah. relates to the product and I reckon that's where agriculture ha has an opportunity. So. Yeah. <laughs> what came first, chicken or the egg? We've done our research and it would seem that there was two different bird species that produced one egg and a chicken <laughs> popped out of that egg. <laughs> so they say. So the egg came first? It would seem so. There you go. But I'm sure it depends which historian you ask. Oh, we'll look it up. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, there you go. Apparently, the egg came first. I feel like today could be a bit of a shout-out to Richie Benno. 22 minutes for episode 22. Sensational. Sometimes I amuse myself. Anyway, guys, exciting week later this week. Jump over to our Instagram. Keep an eye out on what we've got going on. We'd love to know what you reckon of the video, what types of videos you'd like to see in the future, and any podcast guests that you can think of. As always, look after yourself, stay sane, stay safe. We'll chat to you next week.